I went down memory lane just a little bit. And when you're my age, you can go down memory lane quite a bit. So I'm going to take you back into a period of time for just a, a couple minutes to use an illustration. This is back in the olden days, before you were even born. That happens. Before cell phones, before anything. Well, I mean, really, the example I want to use, and, and I, you don't have to show hands if you even know what these are, but some people still use them because we don't want to pay for Bell Express View. But do you remember those little rabbit ears that actually just sit on your TV and you have to move them around? Well, my wife bought high-tech ones from Amazon, and it's a little card like this that you're not supposed to have to move around very much. But where we live, we don't get anything. So depending on which way the trees are blowing, you can actually take this thing and probably the best place is in the washroom window, which is about 10 feet away from the TV, which means you have to walk over the cord. But if you want to watch CTV, you have to put it on an angle in the washroom window. Now, long before these high-tech ones that you can buy from Amazon... We had just these little metal things, and we used to not have very good reception. Now, truth be told, when I was growing up, we didn't have TVs until I was 11, so I was just beyond excited that we could get anything, even if it wasn't good reception, once we got a TV, because it was like, wow, this is so fun. But we had these little rabbit ears, and so we'd get really creative, and to try to get better reception, we would actually attach coat hangers, and then to the coat hangers, we'd attach pieces of tin foil, and it looked like a decorated freak alien something or other, but if just depending on the perfect way, there we go, we've got it. We now have reception. And don't move. Don't, do not move. Absolutely do not move. But sometimes in that, in between trying to find those clear receptions, we'd get a couple different stations, especially I lived in Niagara at the time, and we'd get CHCH in, in, uh, um, in Hamilton, and we'd get Buffalo, and you'd have to kind of move it around to get, oh yeah, now we've got this clear station. Or sometimes you just get dead space, or sometimes you just get a lot of static jamming. That's an analogy that I'm going to go back to in a minute, in case you're wondering why I'd be talking about TV antennas. It's not like going back for no purpose at all. But it does strike me funny to just think, wow, I remember those things. And this new high-tech thing, which really doesn't work. Now, it might not work. They probably work better if you don't drop them and, and break them. Because then when you do drop them, they don't work very well. So it might work better if it wasn't dropped. So last week, the passage that really uh, I based my message out of, but it really just uh, it shocked me as I was preparing for it, I was talking about doing this TED Talk and going to do this TED Talk and then looking at the passage of Scripture I'm going to be reading from and thinking, what does that mean? So here I'm going to talk about something and thinking, I, I've never seen that verse like that before. And it just spun me thinking, what does this really mean? And it's based out of 2 Corinthians 5. And it basically says, um, we believe that Christ has died for all. <laughs> that, yes. We believe that. I believe that. It's, it's good. I totally believe that. But the next part of the verse was, but believe that we have died to our old life. And somehow that just stuck with me. So at the end of the service last week, I said, we're going to carry on with that thought today. Which may have been a dumb thing to say without praying about it. Because 
what if I still don't know the answer to that? And here I am standing in front of you thinking, well, I can't carry it on next week because my wife and I are going to be in California. woo For two weeks. So, sorry I won't be here, but it will be warm where I'm going and there won't be any snow and there's no guarantee. I mean, there's absolutely no, absolutely no way we're having snow. There's no way. It's never landed where her parents live. Ever. And it's not coming with me. Trust me. Yeah, it's not going to follow me, Reggie. It's not. So, I was struggling with this. What does it really mean for me to know, to believe that I've died with Christ? Now, in the past, I can tell you what I thought that meant, and it usually meant me trying to follow a whole list of things. I didn't have a television when I was a kid because it was one way we witnessed to our neighbors that we were Christians because TV was a worldly instrument and we didn't want anything worldly in our home, so we didn't have a TV. I don't think any of my neighbors came to Christ because we didn't have a TV, quite frankly. They thought we were a little odd. And then when we got a TV, we joined the rest of the world and got even a color TV later on. And that really wasn't the way I know that I've died with Christ. It's really not the key there. So how do we actually know? How do we actually come to a place of believing that we've died with Christ? So I was praying about this message, and to use the analogy of the uh, antennas, I had competing messages. I had all sorts of voices. I had competing channels. I wasn't picking up a clear signal. And I, I will be really honest and say it was probably about 11.30 last night when I'm thinking, I'm doing the countdown with my fingers, thinking, it's not going to be that long, Lord, until I'm actually standing up here. And I began to think, okay, what's my plan B? My plan B is that we had a leadership day, and somebody said we ought to start showing videos. I was thinking, text Aaron and just find a video, and we'll put a video on, and we'll all just sit there and watch the video. But come on. There must be God. What, what, really, what's the clear message you want to say? What do you really want to say to us this morning? So finally, at midnight, I thought, I don't know what you want to say. I know it's there. I just don't know what you want to say. So I went to bed, and I... Uh, opened my heart and said, Lord, I love you. You're so much greater than me. I am but this tiny little piece of humanity. And you are so great. And I began to worship him. Uncharacteristic for me, Linda, is I didn't fall asleep. Normally, it's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, and I'm gone. But this time, I was engrossed in the love of God for me. And in that, I began to recognize how easy it is for me to stray from that love. And to recognize that my greater fear of not knowing what God wanted to say really came down to expectations that you would have rightly so, but expectations I have on what this should look like. We come, we open the word of God, we teach, and we leave. That's what you do on a Sunday morning. But honestly, in the back of my mind, I started saying, who wrote that script? Really? I mean, where does that, and I'm not questioning what we do, but just, Lord, what if you wanted to do something a little different? 
well, Lord, use Aaron to do that, not me, because I recognize that I fear man still, and you want to free me. So I began to confess how I feared what you would think of me. It's amazing how that still can tag along. I began to confess the expectations that I'm embracing in performance and how even praise from man and pride just slip in so easily and they get in the way. Jesus says very clearly, I will not share my glory with anybody. So if he's going to get the glory, I get none. He doesn't share. We weren't meant to to take what belongs to him alone. So I just began to realize I'm actually getting mixed signals here. I'm hearing, not hearing. I'm, I'm feeling this tug over here, this tug over here. And so after a while, I prayed and I asked God to search me and to know my thoughts, to know my anxious thoughts, and to put me in a place of being still. And I wrestled in the quiet, in the stillness, confessed, repented. I recognized the voice of the enemy as well as the voice of God. I recognized the enemy's lies to intimidate and try to get me to compromise. I recognized that I had been listening to those lies and not really even realizing how much I was listening to them and believing them. So I began to confess that I was being critical, that I was being judgmental, I was being proud. And in all of that, I invited the Holy Spirit to come, to search me, the inner recesses of my life, search me, know me, know every part of me, God. I surrender. I surrender my efforts. I surrender control. It's yours. Are you wondering how this is going to end? (laughs) Me too. Let's see. So on Wednesday, I had the joy of going out to a retreat center called Bethesda. If you haven't heard of it, I'm a walking advertisement for Bethesda. It's an old farmhouse on Low Street, Low Road, just off McCartan. A lot of people go there for a retreat. They have a little chapel. They have a little hut where you can go and pray, and I've talked a bit about that. But on Wednesday, the guys from a ministry called Jericho Road, where Linda and I volunteer, uh, were out there. They were cutting wood, and they were having a big dinner. And then afterwards, they were having a guy come out, and he was going to share his testimony. And the guy that came out and shared his testimony in the little chapel out there was himself a recovered alcoholic or recovering alcoholic and druggie. And... He had 20 minutes to tell his story, and then I was supposed to share my perspective. Well, his 20-minute story lasted one hour and 40 minutes. He covered all 12 steps, and quite frankly, in a way that I have never heard language used like that before in a testimony. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I must say I was a little riveted thinking, that's a different way of explaining it. Now, all of my friends that were addicts were like, wow, wow. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I tried not to show the sometimes shock of the way he was describing. But it was really powerful. And a lot of these guys related because they come from really messed up lives. They, um, they all have their addictions. But what I began to notice and what I'm really learning about dealing with and working with these guys is that there is a guy there who he wasn't as bad as this guy over here because he only drank, and he drank as a businessman. 
So although he got drunk all the time, he wasn't as bad as the guy over here who was a druggie and did coke. And, and the guy over here wasn't as bad as the guy over here because this guy actually, you know, he lived on the streets and he was really dirty. And then this guy over here wasn't as bad as this guy over here because this guy over here sold his body for sex. And this guy over here didn't sell his body for sex. He just lived on the streets and begged. What a strange pecking order. And this is true. Like, this is really the way it all kind of works. The reality is, you're all lost and messed up, and you're all addicts. Every one of you. It doesn't matter what you've done. But see, where it reflects back on me is I used to look down on all of them and think, tisk, tisk, I am so much better than them. And one day I was teaching a class, and I heard myself say, so we addicts. And I thought, ah, I've joined the group. Because I realized my sins, although they might look different, and my addictions might be cleaner or whatever, I'm no different than any one of those guys. Because I need Jesus to clean up and heal my messed up life. And that's exactly what the gospel does. God sees right through each one of us. He doesn't say, oh yeah, yeah, you're my favorite because you just drank at work and at night. And you were on the streets. No, 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 I like this guy better. I recognized how much he welcomes all of us to himself. And says, I am here that you might have life and have abundant life. So Colossians 2 was supposed to be the passage I was going to share with him. And as I was preparing and thinking about tonight and trying to get a clear, you know, understanding, the Lord took me back to this passage last night and said, this is your verse for today. I thought, well, I'm glad I have one now because I had too many options and I just couldn't find which one it was. So Colossians 2, verses uh, 13 to 15, just three verses, says, you were dead. Who? Me. Yeah, every one of my friends here, but me as well. I was dead. I was dead because of my sins and because of my, my sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he gave all our sins. He canceled the record of the changes against, charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. I look at some of these stories and I look at my own story. And I would have thought I was free to choose whatever I wanted to. Scripture says I was actually dead. Oh yeah, I was choosing, but I was always choosing ways of death. I wasn't free in myself. I wasn't alive. I was dead before I met Christ. So Jesus says, I've come actually to separate your sinful nature from who you were. I've come to separate. I've come to break it away. I've come to slice it right off you and give you absolutely new life. So God makes me alive and invites my friends into that same salvation, saying, you're no different to me. I don't care that you're from a Christian home. I don't care that you've done all these things for me. Your heart is no different than anyone else until you come to know me. So he invites me into this relationship. He invites me 
and says, I've canceled out the record of charges against you. There is no more favorite verse in scripture, I don't think, to tell a bunch of addicts who have stolen and been in jail and everything imaginable to say to them, there is no record of any charges against you. None. Really? That's what the word of God says. None. So you may know what you have done, and they certainly know what they have done, and I certainly know what I have done. But Jesus, when he talks about believing in this new life, that he died and that I have died with him, says there is no record of any sin you have committed. The legal requirement of that has been paid. So then the obvious question I hear and ask myself is then why do I remind myself? And why do I live like that record still stands? He has canceled all the record of our charges. In the heavenly realms, they know it. It says when a sinner comes to Jesus, heaven rejoices. They're astounded by it. But in the earthly, in the subterranean realms or the demonic realms, wherever that might be, the realms of hell itself, they also know it's true. Because Jesus said it's paid, it's done. All the legal requirements are done. And hell knows it. But still tries to enslave us with what is not true. A competing voice. A different channel, not God. But God declares that he has disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Anything charged that comes up against us, I can honestly say, yes, I did that. But God, through Christ, has paid the price, and I am free. I did it. I know I did it. But he has paid the price that I couldn't pay, and I am free. Yes, this was done against me. I had these sins done against me by sinners. Yes, it's true. But he has paid the price, and I no longer have to bear those sins. All accusing voices, they are rendered disarmed and powerless by this truth of Jesus. We believe, I believe, that we have died because he died for all of us, that we have died to ourselves. And then to go on, just to kind of really just inflict a a triumph over the enemy. This verse says that Jesus shamed his enemies publicly by what he did at the cross. He didn't just die on the cross. He triumphed over every accusing voice, over every sin that's ever been committed. It said every sin was put on him so that I could be set free. Every sin. I've shared this a bit, but it's still an amazing story for me that I sat beside twice now. I've sat beside guys at Jericho Road who have murdered people. They've murdered them. And Jesus said, I have forgiven them like I've forgiven you. Because every requirement has been paid. Doesn't mean they're excused. They went to jail, they did their time, all that kind of stuff. But every sin, there's not one sin that Jesus did not die for that he could not redeem us from and say, believe in me, I have paid the price, you are free.
So the TV antenna deal, the competing voices, the competing channels. But I know who I am. I see who I am. No, you know who you were. You need to see who you are. It's very different. This is the free me. This is who I was. But this is who I am. I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. All the claims against me over here have been severed by Jesus, and I'm free. So this morning, when I was kind of stuck a bit, I went to the gym. Krista, you weren't there. (laughs) I missed you. Sorry. I missed everybody. It was like, just me. I'm alone (laughs) as well. Anyway, I wasn't working that hard, so I wasn't working out of a sweat, so I wasn't trying to impress anybody. But I was there, and I just needed to go and clear my brain. So I'm literally just there in the middle of the gym, and I hear Jesus say, I want to bring release to my people. Now, I'm saying that because that's not normally where I hear Jesus speak. But I just felt I needed to carry on with my morning. And see, this verse says that he's taken it away. He's canceled the record of our charges. He's canceled every charge against us. And I hear him speaking this morning, saying, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I've come that you might be free. I've come to release you. Wow. So Jesus says, I went back and checked some of my notes a couple days ago. When I was preparing for this, I was actually discovered this little app on my phone that you can write notes on it. Who knew? Anyway, I'm still learning just how to answer it, but you can actually write notes on it. So when I found my notes again, I wrote down a couple days ago that when I was listening to the Lord, I heard him say, I can be free. Free. And I heard him also say, my promise is to deliver. Through my death comes life. I promise to deliver. In Jesus, the lies are exposed and silenced because he's come that we would be free. Without him, I'm dead. With him, I'm alive. So there's two categories of people. There's those that don't know Jesus and there's those that do know Jesus. Those that don't know Jesus think they're alive, think they're living for themselves, and Jesus says in his word here, you're actually dead. (laughs) This is not life. You just think you're living, but slowly you're descending into death. To the believer, there's a couple categories of people that are believers. There's those that, if you're believers, we all know Jesus, but for some of us, there's a sense of being alive and free and vibrant, but for some of us, there's just a kind of just getting by. We remember some days when we used to be closer and we're not. We're just kind of getting by. And then there's some that just feel like we've failed and we've gone too far and it's just just too far. Do you hear the lying voice? And Jesus says, I've paid the price for all of this. So on Wednesday, take you back to Bethesda. I learned through stories of people and I learned through Jesus working in my own life there was a guy that was in the program four years ago. And he graduated and did well for two years. One day I was down on Bank Street in Ottawa. And I looked over and I saw him. And I'm not an addict, but I'm getting smarter. And I thought, this guy's using again. And you can usually tell when they're using because they just they want to avoid you when they see you. 
So he avoided me, and instead of looking down on him like this, my heart broke for him. And I thought, wow, is God ever changing me? I might have some mercy in me after all. And I, I, I could see him, and every time I ran into him a few times more, I could see and hear Jesus just saying, I'm longing for you to come to me. I want you back. I'm not pushing you away because you've gone too far. I want you back. I long for you to be with me. My lost child, I long for you. So while this guy is doing drugs in the streets, I'm sitting in Tim Hortons, seeing him, knowing Jesus is calling him to come back. And he was there Wednesday night. He's back. But then he thinks he needs to do this awkward dance with me. Like, what do I say to you? Well, I'll tell you what I say to you. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome home. The Father's been longing for you to come home. Do you see the lie that shame does? Guilt. We believe it because it makes sense to us. But it's totally contrary to the word of God. There is no charge against you. No matter what you've done. There is no charge. If you've broken the laws of the land, you're responsible for those. And there will be a price to pay for that. And we as believers need to honor what we need to honor. If you've stolen, repay. But as far as the charge goes between me and God, he welcomes every one of these sinners, and he welcomes me, and he welcomes you. No matter where we've been, a wanderer come home. You're not too far. There's no charge. He opens his arms in front of us and says, let me free you. Let me heal you from the reasons why you wandered. Let me free you from the things that bind you. Let me deliver you from the clasp of the evil one. Let me restore you. Let me deliver you from the lies of the evil one with the truth of my word. That we believe that Jesus died for all. But we also believe that we have died ourselves to us through Christ. And how we believe this isn't just here, but the scripture in 2 Corinthians says we receive what he has done. And in receiving, we belong to Christ. I sense this morning, and this is unusual for us, but I sense this morning that Jesus was really serious about saying, I want to bring release to my people. And I'm going to pray, but we're going to do something that I haven't seen since I came here, and I checked it out with the boss, and he's good with it, this one and that one, and he's good with it. We're not going to make a big deal out of this. I'm not going to center anybody out, but I know I'm available, and I know a few other people would be available to pray. We want you to come, and we want to pray with you, and just speak a word of release to you. Jesus wants to set you free.
And that's exactly what he did on the cross. And all we have to do is receive what he's done. Confess if we need to confess. But he wants to heal. What do you say to that, Aaron? Thumbs up? Let's pray. Lord, you're the one that we need the most and often the one that we want to hide from just like Adam and Eve did because we see our guilt and shame. But I thank you that you do not see my guilt or my shame, but you see that the penalty for my sin has been paid for, that before you I have been freed, and before my enemies I have been freed. And so this morning, Lord, as a minister of your gospel, I speak freedom over this group of people this morning. You have come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. You have come to set the prisoners free, to release the captives. It's what your word says. So, Lord, for any of us that are still in areas of captivity, I thank you that you paid the price to set us free. And I thank you for even small steps we can take this morning in, in recognizing it and saying, Jesus, come. I come to you. I don't want to be away from you. I want to receive your welcoming arms. Lord, I know you want to set us free. I know the greatest testimony is a life set free. Because you say if we let Jesus be seen in our lives, all men will be drawn to you because of what they see. We want you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and reveal Jesus. Let us see Jesus. Let us see the truth of your word, the deepest part of our hearts. And Father, we speak against the lies of the enemy. Some of those lies we may have believed all our life. We thank you for your truth, that your truth is greater than any lie. Your word is light and powerful, and the enemy must flee with his lies. Thank you, Lord, that I was dead in my sins. But because what you've done, my sinful nature has been cut away and you've made me alive with Christ and you've forgiven me all my sins. Thank you that you canceled the record of the charges against me and took them away by nailing them to the cross. Thank you that you've disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and you shamed them publicly by your victory over them at the cross. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen.